open, outspoken, it's ophthalmology off the grid, an honest look at controversial topics in the field. I'm Blake Williamson. I'm Gary Wirtz. Hello, and thank you for listening to Ophthalmology Off the Grid. In this episode, Dr. Tom Tuma, founder, owner, and medical director of InVision, joins Drs. Gary Wirtz and Blake Williamson to share insights into how he built his successful practice and business. Support for this podcast comes from Bryn Mawr Communications. BMC produces a number of informative podcast series spanning a variety of topics in ophthalmology. Discover a new show at itube.net slash podcasts. Welcome to another episode of Ophthalmology Off of the Grid. We're your hosts. This is Blake Williamson and Gary Wirtz. Gary, how are you feeling today? Oh man, I'm I'm excited, Blake. I'm, I'm always excited. It's always nice to share a conversation with you. We always have fun together. But uh, again, you know, we have had so many good guests, and, and this week, I'm I'm so excited to introduce uh, Dr. Tom Tuma. So, Tom, thank you so much for carving out some time and um, getting a chance to talk with us about building your business and brand. That's our our theme for the season. Um, before we get into that, why don't you just introduce yourself? Uh, we would, we wouldn't do you justice by, uh, introducing you, please introduce yourself. Give us a little bit of your background, uh, where you practice and, uh, yeah, a little introduction. It'd be great. Let's see. I started practice in 84. I currently practice in Newport beach, uh, specialize and limit my practice to refractive surgery. So, you know, LASIK, smile, ICLs. Do some cross-linking and intacts, but uh, mostly laser vision correction. Um, I uh, am the founder and the owner and the chief medical officer of Envision Eye Centers. We're in six states, uh, 100-some practices. Uh, we have about 160 providers, ophthalmologists and optometrists, and about 1,300 teammates on our on our uh, group. We do all um, all aspects of eye care, so... Uh, mostly laser vision correction and cataract surgery. Obviously, we have twelve or so surgery centers, and uh, and then we do retina, glaucoma, um, and other subspecialties in ophthalmology. Uh, so that's that's what keeps me uh, excited and and busy and uh, in, engaged in 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 our business uh, and in our profession. It's been an awesome journey. Like, how does that strike you? Like, just first impressions, right? Like, he's I, got a lot I, more practice. He's got a lot more practices than I did. <laughs> right. Same. Same. His even a, his uh, I, I wonder what the payroll is. I, <laughs> I bet you that payroll check uh, each month is tough. I, Gary, I want to tell you when when I heard about um, uh, and first met uh, Tom Tuma, uh, I was in Mendoza, Argentina, uh, for like an ICL course at the Zaldivars, and we were in one of the uh, uh, training sessions. And there was this guy there, very polite, very demure, but obviously super sharp that everyone sort of was like looking towards. Um, he wasn't trying to be the life of the party. He wasn't trying to raise his hand and answer every question, but he was the guy that people kind of called on and would kind of you know, one of his advice. I'm like, who is this guy? And uh, Roger like, you don't know that? I was like, I was like no. He said, that's Tom Tuma. He's like, you know LASIK? I was like, yeah, I've heard of LASIK. He's like, yeah, I've he's heard of that too. He's like, he's done more than just about anybody. I said, okay. And I said, well, 
how big is his practice? And Roger said, much bigger than yours. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I started heard about. I heard about Envision. I knew Sherry Rowan worked there, of course. And I was asking her about it. I said, okay, so this is the guy that basically started all that and in, 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 in is running that show, um, you know, with all these different practices. And they're like, yeah. So I was like, I got to get to know this guy. So, uh, you know, you couldn't have a better person on uh, for this season about building a business because what a business uh, he has helped build along with all his teammates and, and other doctors. So, Tom, again, thank you so much for joining us. That's very kind of you. That's much more than I deserve. <laughs> Will you just give us a little bit of the genesis of like your early career? I mean, I, there's obviously a story going from residency and fellowship to where you are now. And I always, you know, I had a little bit of a rocky start myself, you know, kind of a journeyman for a few years, trying to find my footing. I know a lot of other people do as well. What were the early days like before, you know, things really started cooking for you? Sure. So I started practice in 84 after finishing a fellowship in Cornea uh, at Emory and uh, was very, very interested in refractive surgery, joined a a group of uh, four other ophthalmologists who were very entrepreneurial. We had our own surgery center. Those were the early days of of ambulatory surgery centers, and they did have a large co-management network, and that's where I learned a lot about co-management uh, with with optometrists and with surgery centers. And then, uh, sometime in the early '90s, uh, I went and watched uh, one of the first laser vision correction procedures, um, and um, within you know within a few minutes, I said, "This is it. This is what I'm going to do for the rest of my life." It was it was that you know that profound of an experience to be in that room, listening to that laser you know going tick 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 and and here I am you know doing radial keratotomy, and you look at this and say wow this is absolutely the future. So I went back literally that same day to my four partners and I said, and at that time I had the largest practice of more than thirty ophthalmologists, and I said you can have my practice, but I want you to support me and investing in laser vision correction and opening multi, you know, multi-centers in California to start a multi-site laser vision correction practice that is direct-to-consumer marketing driven and optometric co-management driven. Uh, and, and I want to start, you know, being involved in clinical trials. And at that time I got involved with the Technolos laser, uh, which was with, with BNL. So we started doing clinical trials, but Within you know within a very short period of time, uh, our optometric co-management you know network got so enthusiastic about it because uh, they just never liked radial keratotomy and obviously for very good reasons. Uh, and so we had more referrals than we knew what to do with. We were involved in clinical trials and so very limited number of cases. And so um, got the idea of putting a laser, a summit laser south of the border uh, in Tijuana, Mexico. Uh, And so every other Friday, uh, we would have two groups of about 30 patients or so that would go down south of the border. We would do laser vision correction on them uh, in Mexico and then come back and and do all the follow-up care. Was this pre-FDA approval, essentially? uh, This was in 93. So the FDA approval was in 95. So we had a couple of years of, of, you know, word of mouth, optometric co-management network that got very enthusiastic about the outcomes. Uh, and so, uh, you know, the, the minute it was approved, we had a laser 
that we could start, you know, you, you start operating on patients. And that really got us, the, the, you know, to kickstart uh, refractive surgery. We had four centers in Southern California. Um, and uh, after, after a few years, my partners, you know, I wanted to continue to expand and add more, more offices and, and they were uh, closer to a retirement age and did not want to make the investments. And so uh, I wrote a very big check, the biggest check I had written in my life to exit, um, you know, by myself out basically. And uh, started started my practice in uh, on my own in 98. And then in 99, TLC approached me and we developed a, an exclusive joint venture in California that was essentially 50-50 to where we would develop everything together. Uh, and then in 2010, I, that's when I founded Envision, which is the company that we currently have. And is that no, that was no longer affiliated with TLC at that point? Uh, no, TLC uh, went through bankruptcy in '98, so I bought bought all the centers um, out of that bankruptcy, and acquired all the centers that we had together in California, and started Envision. So you were able to kind of grow that with TLC, and then whenever they went bankrupt, you were able to kind of buy those practices back. Yeah, we had I had two uh, practices in Southern California, and when I left TLC, we had nine. Some of the principles I see here, it seems like, Tom, you were willing to bet on a hunch you had, and maybe it was more than a hunch. You, it feels like it was almost like a, a light bulb moment or lightning striking where you had this eureka and you said, this is the future. I ha I'm going to divest and just go my own direction. Was that scary for you? I mean, did you have a wife and kids? I mean, th these are the things that sometimes I feel like I have an idea to do something, but then I think about the practicalities of it or the impracticalities of it. And sometimes I feel maybe like I shouldn't go and do something crazy. How was this received when you uh, hit when this conversation hit the dinner table? Uh, you know, to, to say I had some anxiety about it is a, is a, is a, is way understated. I mean, it was, it was a big step. And, and so I took a lot of risk financially and, uh, and uh, you know, thank the good Lord, it it uh, it paid off. Um, but uh, yeah, I uh, my my wife was all for it because uh, she knew I was I was frustrated that I could not kind of fulfill a vision that I had in my head of, because I could see the potential. Um, and so she was all all for it. And uh, um, you know, uh, I did not you know, share a lot of my anxieties because I did not want her to to be so worried about what we're doing and putting our kind of our basically our livelihood and our financials at risk. But um, I've been a risk taker all my life. And uh, but it's been fun. I think I think I think when you take risks and, uh, you know, the, the buck stops kind of with with your decisions uh, and if it works out, great. And not everything works out. And there are times where you look back and say, you know, that was kind of stupid. Why did I do that? Um, but, you know, you learn. And as long as you you look at mistakes as learning experiences uh, and celebrate those and move forward, um, and you hope you don't repeat those mistakes. But, but there always comes up one where there comes another mistake and, you know, uh, and so I'm still learning. That's so. Tom, does one of the one of those one of those mistakes stick out in your mind? So, so one thing we always ask is kind of like, you know, tell us about 
you know, one of the greatest, greatest moves you ever made that worked out, but more importantly, maybe a, a decision that you made that did not work out to your point, you know, was there ever a market that you went into or a practice that you bought that ended up being a disaster or, you know, was there something that you passed on, um, you know, that you shouldn't have or vice versa? Uh, is there any, any moves that you made? Cause it seems like everything you touch turns to gold, but I'm, but I'm guessing from hearing, hearing you that there's been some challenges, you know? Uh, there, there's been a lot of tin that has come out of, of through my journey, but uh, I tell you the biggest decision and the best decision that I make and that I would advise anybody uh, to make is to surround yourself with the smartest people you can sur surround yourself with, uh, business people and and other ophthalmologists, because that's really what catapulted is this whole thing. You know, I think as physicians. Uh, there is a lot that we don't know about the financial world, about about the, um, you know, the contacts, whether it's with private equity or uh, the, 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 you know, the journey to take to kind of get there and, and what people are looking for to to um, to form a big company. And so you really need uh, to. So I've I have felt that the, and I wish I learned that that uh, much earlier in my career is to surround myself with with really very bright people that come from the business world that have been there, done that, that have flown the plane before uh, and, and were involved in multi-site, large companies, you know, large uh, enterprises. So that, that was, I would say, the biggest um, um, positive uh, that has really catapulted kind of, uh, you know, nine or 10, 10 practice uh, enterprise to, you know, 100. Um, so a couple mistakes I would say that that I look back at. Yeah, there's been um, a, a couple practices that we had to shut down that were, you know, if you're looking at a multi-site company that were in remote areas where they're not very desirable. And once the ophthalmologist leaves, it's really, really tough to recruit to, to some of those geographically, you know, undesirable areas, even though they had thriving practices and it was a thriving, uh, you know, very profitable practice and a surgery center. We had to close two of them uh, because we could not recruit physicians. The other uh, decision that I made um, was, uh, you know, we were optometrically uh, co-management driven uh, or, you know, a sub substantial portion of our business was uh, co-management driven. And I decided um, that I would have a direct-to-consumer division under a different brand uh, that was that was uh, 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 much more uh, affordable uh, and had a price point that was very different than our co-management model. Uh, and I it, it it took me a couple of years, year and a half to two years, uh, to realize that I did not know enough about direct-to-consumer marketing and how that works uh, to really drive that business. And, and it happened, you know, we had to shut it down in 2008, 2009, when the, you know, the, the, the crash happened because all of a sudden the volume just tanked. Um, so there are a lot of lessons that I learned from that. And I think if I were to start that over again, I, I do believe that, I, that I've learned enough to make that happen now. But at that time, I was very naive and spent a ton of money uh, and and lost a bunch of money uh, on that venture. Uh, but again, a learning lesson. Yeah.
Yeah, one one of the things I that gives me a little anxiety as I have gained a few years in this world is that category of unknown unknown, right? That black box that you think you've you've sort of calculated all the risk and the variables, but there's always that unknown unknown. And when when 2020 hit and the pandemic hit, I think we were all bracing for a LASIK shutdown. I know we were. We were thinking that LASIK was going to absolutely tank, that anybody with disposable income was going to be hoarding it. And this was going to be the, the, the new end to refractive surgery. And thankfully, just the opposite happened. Um, I'm curious to know, you know, we're, we're a little bit removed from that. Thank God. What lessons did you learn through the pandemic? I mean, I can't imagine. I know you, I guess you had recently um, had a partner come in around that time. So maybe the things were transitioning a little bit, but what lessons did you learn? I can't imagine having a hundred practices uh, taking that into, into a pandemic and, you know, coming out the other side. Uh, any lessons or thoughts on on managing crisis or managing a big unknown event like that that you've learned? I believe the most important thing is communication, communicating with all your stakeholders, you know, your your teammates, your referring doctors, your vendors, your landlords, uh, and and I think communication is key, and communicating that uh, that you know our. We're dedicated to providing safe care, um, and uh, that we we care about our employees, we care about our patients, we care about all our teammates. I, I thought that was, and I thought that the team did that brilliantly. Uh, the team that I that I have, uh, so you know, we we shut down for a few weeks, um, but we came, you know we came back roaring uh, into it because you know we had we had a deal that had to be put off because the pandemic happened. And so we had an, an earnout that we had to earn uh, to show that we can go back to pre-pandemic levels. And we're in, the, you know, we, we did that within six months because as you say, thank God, you know, LASIK came back roaring back. And that was, uh, you know, uh, a, a decent part of our revenue. Um, but I think communicating to, to patients that you care and you're gonna provide an environment that's very safe for them. Um, is is key as well as with uh, with our teammates. Tom, what about the how how did you go about doing that ramp up when you're going from you know just single digit practice to double digit practice and then now you're at triple. So so you know would would envision would you look at buying out other practices? Um, what kind of growth would you do? Like would you find a, a an OD's practice that's more medically minded and buy that and just sort of transform it into an envision? Or are these old cold, cold start? I'm going to this market. I'm going to hang a sign that says Envision. I'm going to install the doctor, and we're going to get going through co-management. What was how how did you grow initially before the before the, the yeah before you guys sold? Like so, we did not buy any optometric practices. I I don't know much about optometric practices and the optical business and you know frames and contacts and all that. So we partnered with ophthalmologists. So and when I say partnered, that's you know capital letters underlined, because our model is very much a partnership model. We don't buy anybody 100%. We buy anywhere from simple majority to maybe 65% of a practice. And that way our partner still has significant skin in the game. And, and we promise, you know, these are the things that we're gonna be able to deliver and put a timeline on it and say, we're gonna deliver X, Y, and Z. You want to join us because there's something that we have that you don't have that you, that you want to have. 
and and we'll let you know um, if we can deliver that and what's the timeline of delivering that. So we only acquire, you know, uh, partnered with ophthalmology practices and acquired surgery centers. We did not do any de novo um, uh, practices. And we wanted to make sure that the, the ophthalmologists that we partnered with were like-minded and were very kind of uh, patient-centric, service-oriented, uh, wanted to provide the latest, the best for their patients that embraced new technology, embraced everything that, that we embrace as a company, uh, you know, being involved in the new, newest technology and, and delivering, you know, five-star care. Um, and sometimes, you know, we would sign a letter of intent and do our due diligence and we find out that that was not the best partner and we cut ties very early. Um, but um, it's really important to us to, to partner with like-minded uh, ophthalmologists. I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, so, so you kind of function as your own private equity group, essentially, to grow the practice. Yeah. So we, we got a team that, um, you know, got a great CFO and a great CEO before before we partnered with Ontario Teachers Pension Plan. And they had, like I said, flown the plane before. So they had the financial contacts to get us a line of credit, substantial line of credit that we were able to use uh, in addition to the cash that was generated from the business to finance our, our um, acquisitions, so to speak. We grew to a point where uh, we were attractive to a lot of you know potential suitors, so to speak. And then we hired an investment. You have to hire an investment banker that basically sends your you know hundred page book to you know hundred private equity companies and then they whittled them down to you know so many that are interested and then you have you know you do the roadshow so to speak so let, tell me tell me the pitch a little bit tom i'm guessing that maybe you you would find an ophthalmologist who's you know doing their own lasik or refractive surgery but maybe not doing their marketing quite to the up to par or maybe there's substantial opportunity for growth and they're just not capturing those and they're maybe losing leads to other markets you would come to them and say hey you know we can help you sort of rebrand and refresh your uh, LASIK mar marketing and the way you deliver patient care kind of stays the same, but the experience for the patient is better. The the leads will increase, those sorts of things. Is that is that the, the gist of partnering with um, an ophthalmologist who may be independently providing LASIK where you kind of are able to come in and put your branding and culture in place? Is that sort of the idea? So, so some of it. So LASIK only... Uh, uh, contributes about 20, 26% or so of our revenue. So it's a small piece. Cataract surgery and lifestyle lenses uh, are a big piece and our surgery centers are a big piece. And so um, the, 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 the approach basically, are the things that we can deliver are taking all your headaches away. So you can, we can do your billing collections, IT, uh, revenue cycle management, um, uh, financing, you're going to have, you know, monthly financial reports, you're going to know exactly, you know, what's happening. And then we have a team that comes and trains your counselors, trains your ODs uh, to, to present um, uh, the options for the patient's education of what their options are, you know, when they're having uh, cataract surgery uh, for lifestyle lenses. So, um, you know, some of our offices, you know, have 80 to 90% conversion to lifestyle lenses. As a company, we're a little bit better than 60% of our 
30,000 or so lenses that we do that are lifestyle lenses. Um, so, so we have an education team that trains counselors on LASIK conversions, uh, cataract conversions into, you know, migrating the practice more to a cash pay practice. We also, the model that we have is an ODMD practice. And so we want the, you know, our surgeons are happiest being in the operating room. Uh, and so we want them to do the things that only they can do and no one else can do in the practice. So their, their partner optometrist within the practice is doing everything at the top of their specialty and then so on. So we have extenders that make the surgeon as efficient as can be. And then we do marketing. So our website is the busiest ophthalmology website in the country. We've had uh, periods where we had up to a million hits to our website every month um, and that's national. So uh, again, you know, we, we do that as far as marketing. And then the other is establish or uh, develop a co-management network uh, for them. So we have a sales team that, that visits optometrists and educates them about, you know, what the practice is all about, what they do and so forth. Uh, so it's mostly education. Uh, and then we have um, an, a, a research uh, division so at any time, we have 30 plus FDA clinical trials that are going um, that we're involved in. So um, the research division is also focused on, on research and getting studies and being involved in the different studies, whether in retina, glaucoma, cataract, pharmaceuticals, et cetera. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, basically shifting the practice to where the ophthalmologist is doing what they want to do, being more in the operating room seeing only the complex stuff that they only can they're only the ones that can see and then taking all their headaches away. So after the sale, is that still the case? Like are y'all or, or is the company now buying a hundred percent of the practices or are they are they actively buying any more practice at this point or was that just all in the ramp up while you while you were getting there? No, we're we're very, very active in, in partnering with ophthalmologists. So we're acquiring uh, many practices every year. And the model is still the same. It's a partnership model. So the ophthalmologist has a lot of incentive uh, to work with us. And so the, the model is basically they get a percentage of their revenue plus a percentage of the bottom line. And so their, their incentive and our incentive is to make them as successful as possible. So their revenue is as high as can be. So they get a piece of that revenue, 30% uh, plus of that revenue, depending on what specialty. And then depending on how much equity they have, which is anywhere between 30 and 49%, they get 30 to 49% of the bottom line as well. So our incentive is to run as efficient to practice as possible. So the bottom line is as healthy as it can be. And the top line is as healthy as it can be. I like that model. That seems much more aligned, huh, Gary? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and also it is, is driven by an ophthalmologist who has deep expertise and success in this model. Um, not that other PE firms don't have, you know, deep expertise as well, but this seems like, um, partnering with someone who really understands, you know, light years ahead of, of other practices and, and understanding how the model between optometry and ophthalmology can work at its most efficient, um, basis is, is really quite, quite amazing. And, and that's really the way that, you know, we practice at Commonwealth Eye Surgery and, and probably very similar to how you guys practice at Williamson Eye. Um, that, that's that's fantastic, Tom. I want to shift gears real quick in the time we have left. Uh, I know that you are a man who enjoys giving back and 
has established a mission in Fiji. And I want to give you an opportunity to talk a little bit about that and, and give us give us a little bit of the, the story about how that came to be and, and what you and your family have done there. And, you know, maybe even if people are interested, if you're looking for, you know, people to come and, and help out there, what that looks like. So. Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a long story. I don't know how much time you have, but, but I mean, it's uh it involves people like, you know, John DeLorean with the DeLorean car and, and Jacques Cousteau, uh, you know, doing diving in Fiji and doing underwater photography. And then, and then, uh, a Navy frogman that introduced us to uh, introduce my wife basically to Fiji, who was the head diver for Jacques Cousteau. Uh, and he saw the need for dentistry. My wife is a dentist. And so she went to serve in Fiji for a couple, three years in a row. And then I went with her and we saw the big need. And then uh, there was a family, a Dutch family that was growing marijuana and in Fiji, that the Fijian government said you have 48 hours to vacate the premises and and sell everything that you had, and uh, uh, you know, so we bought an 850 acre coconut plantation. Uh, Flash was- marijuana plantation. <laughs> 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 and uh, had two miles of beach frontage uh, for a song, literally a song, and then you know God put it in our heart to build a mission. Uh, and so that was built over a three-year period of time uh, in 2008. Uh, so we can house 50 plus people, uh, you know, teams that can go there. We have state-of-the-art um, dentistry as well as state-of-the-art uh, ambulatory surgery center. Uh, so we have four or five uh, ophthalmology groups that go there every year, and we provide the vast majority of the eye care on the on the island uh, because the ophthalmologists on the island that we're in. Uh, does not like to do surgery. So we do all the ophthalmology, you know, all the cataract surgery and pterygium surgery there. But we have multi- multiple specialties. So we have, you know, GYN, it just came back uh, doing some reconstructive plastic surgery in our cleft lips, cuff palates, burns, et cetera, and head and neck surgery, you know, goiters and parotid tumors. And so, you know, GYN screening for cancer. And uh, we have a full-time critical care MD there that does family care, you know, diabetes, high blood pressure. They have the same problems we do, you know, strokes and heart attacks, all lifestyle-related stuff. That... So we do outreach into the villages around, and we take care of the people. Obviously, everything is for free. And then we have surgical teams, but we have, you know, churches, schools, et cetera, that go there and take 40, 50 people, and they just do you know, serving uh, service learning. We have multiple universities that send their, you know, senior and junior uh, students that are interested in dentistry and ophthalmology, I mean, and, and medicine to just get exposed to service learning and, and what, you know, what it's all about to be a physician or a dentist. Uh, it's beyond just a business, it's giving back. And so they they get a real feel for that. And we we really believe that people get a lot more out of going to the mission than they give uh, because it's a life-changing experience to a lot of people. Tom, maybe maybe just kind of like last word, like as I'm hearing you say that, like, uh, you know, I'm just wondering, like, what you're looking forward to, if anything else. I mean, think about it, Gary. I mean, this, I mean, if, if you've already done more surgery than just about anybody and you've started your own thing and you've built it up to a massive scale, you've been able to have a go through a sale, but also have some control uh, and directorship uh, and partner with other practices um, and you've, you've, you've become so successful that now you can call yourself a philanthropist for real. Um, you know, uh, you're kind of up there with the Marnix here, sinks of the world. So 
you know, we've interviewed, you know, people like you uh, this season. So uh, what else is there for you? Why are you, why are you doing this still? What, what excites you about the business or about ophthalmology in general? What's, you know, what do you have to look forward to? You've done it all. Look, I mean, I'm I'm talking to two two surgeons who are like at the top of their game, who are everybody looks up to. So so you guys, uh, you know, been there, done that as well. And I have a lot of admiration for what you've what you've accomplished in in your life. You know, I I look at what we're doing as a company. It's kind of like, you know, spreading the good news. It's it's like spreading the gospel. It's it's, you know, we have a brand of care that I really am very proud of. Um, and I think that the more ophthalmologists, the more, you know, you and, you know, Gary get in touch with and others like like you um, that, that uh, have formed amazing practices that have an incredible reputation, that give great customer service, great clinical and surgical outcomes. Uh, the more we can touch you know, people and and come alongside of them as partners to to give that brand of care. Uh, I think the more fulfilled we are as professionals, um, and that's really what it's all about. So it's it's not about money anymore. It is more about uh, you know um, the, the scorecard is you know how many people can can we touch how many people can we make a difference in, in their life and do it in a way uh, that that patients enjoy and 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 love we want to establish medical practices where they're unlike any other medical practices they stand out and the experience is such that um, they become ambassadors for the practice and that's really what it's all about yeah, really about impact. And uh, Tom, I think you've had an amazing impact on our profession. And honestly, I think on Blake and myself, just in this 30 minute conversation. So um, again, from the bottom of our hearts, thank you so much for an opportunity to, to get to know you a little bit more. Um, I speak on behalf of Blake and myself, if you're in our, in our hometowns of Lexington or Baton Rouge, you'd be welcome at our practice and, and at our home. So uh, thank you so much. And we look forward to seeing you in person. This has been Ophthalmology Off the Grid. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Ophthalmology Off the Grid. And thank you to our guest, Dr. Tom Tuma, for sharing his experiences with us. Until next time.